0: This is Collins John, and you are listening to Fulham Focus Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus iPodcast. I'm J-Mac, your host, and with me are Stato and Marty to chat all about our delicious 1-0 victory against Barra at the Cottage last Friday night. A great result with some standout performances, but in fact, the weekend was filled with great results, as you can probably tell from the music playing behind me. Leeds lost and are falling apart faster than a custard cream in a vast hot ocean of PG tips. And Brentford drew. We are now five points away from an automatic place, ladies and gentlemen, which makes our trip to Charlton on Wednesday vital to keep this form going and to not slip on any bananas in predictable Fulham fashion. Good thing we'll be previewing Charlton too. All that on the other side of this noise. Fulham. Right, Stato on my left and Marty on my right. Here I am. Hello, boys. Now, the question prior to the match was who would replace Mitro and Bobby Reed was the man tasked with the responsibility of playing in the middle. I mean, he missed some great chances early on, but there was a superb fluidity to Fulham's play. Service twenty-five minutes or so. It reminded us of, I don't know, Reading or Millwall. I mean, does this mean that Mitro does restrict the way we play somewhat? Or was this just some excellent play by a team that is more than capable of producing on its day? What do you think, Mr. Statoza?
0: Hello. Um, firstly, I think um, it was always going to be Bobby Reed who was going to come in and play, to be honest. Um, with Kamara injured and other attacking options were quite thin on the ground, it was kind of always going to be Bobby Reed. And I think for the most of it, he played quite well. You know, Bobby Reid, he's always, he always puts in a great shift for us. His link-up play is always excellent. And of course, it was going to be a big test to see how he play up front um, during the game. Um, unfortunately, I think some of his finishing was a bit off. Make that could be down to him being a bit rusty, not playing up top, not getting all these chances. But, you know, he still had a good game and he still, you know, he made Cavalero and Nockhart kind of play a lot better because of it. Um, I think a good comparison for this is if you look at Liverpool, who are arguably probably the best team in the world right now, um, whether you love them or hate them, their front three of Firmino, Salah and Mane, they have such a good um, relationship and understanding of each other that they just score the goals. And in that front three, Firmino is kind of their striker, the short, you know, the the, the one in the middle. But he doesn't get the majority of the goals. That is always Cav- um, Mane and Salah. So similar for us, you know, playing Bobby Reed, Cavalero, and Knockout, With Bobby Reed, we've got kind of a, a number nine who kind of sets up Cavaleiro and Knockout And kind of lets them flourish, whereas he does all the hard work, which is something that Mitro doesn't. With Mitro, he's kind of more of the front and centre target man who gets the goals. You know, all of our attacks kind of go through him centrally. But, you know, it's quite refreshing to see that we can play in two different ways um, if needed.
1: Yeah, I have a tweet here from um, at Fulham Flutter, Anthony B. And the tweet is... Anyone who thought Reed was terrible or ineffective last night simply does not understand football or just wasn't watching properly after a few beers. Essential to our victory and dynamism. Is it dynamism? Um, Marty, I'll go to you with that. Well, do you agree with that tweet? And what are your general thoughts on Reed coming on for Mitro and the way we looked?
2: Ah, I it was good. I mean, I think we all assumed the uh, worst without Mitrovic you know, being out for four to six weeks. We were all crying out for, oh, we're going to bring in a striker Kamara being injured, but I thought be really, you know, I, I know he wasn't finishing stuff, but the creativity that we were doing, I mean, we could have won that game easily 5 or 6 nil by halftime. And it was like the first 29 minutes was pure dominance. And it was really pleasing to see. And suddenly, you know, while we were kind of looking at it as a, a, a situation where we're thinking, we haven't really got creativity, we're not doing anything suddenly we were seeing a different side to this film and it's almost like the pieces are coming together and I say a certain rock at the back also helps I think we already know who that is
1: we have talked about well we talked about Rodak until the Woolly Mammoths come home you know but nonetheless it was an amazing performance by Rodak great few saves and you know he's our best keeper in my opinion for the last six years yada yada we talked about that he was part of the holy clean sheet trinity number one, okay? But clean sheet trinity number two, it's great to see the ever-popular Kevin McMatic get another chance, especially with Harry Harter fit and breathing down his net. I mean, Stata, how did Super Kev get onto you?
0: Um, it, it's It's been really refreshing to actually see McDonald come back into the team. At the start of the season, um, with Arter and Harrison Reid coming in, you'd think that McDonald would kind of take more of a backseat role this season, um, coming off the bench to see how it win um, and being very much a squad player. And that seems to be the case for at the beginning of the season. Um, he hasn't had many starts, but he's come back into the team. And he always seems like a revitalised player almost, because you know he didn't have the best of times in the Premier League. And like a lot of our players, their confidence would have got a bit knocked. Um, so you know he's come back in and he's he's playing like he's playing like the Kevin McDonald of old. You know the one we had when we went up, the one who defence. You know he he's that he he's actually has that vital link between the defence and the midfield. And you know if we if we can maintain this form for the rest of the season, you know that it's just fantastic news for us. And you know I can see our defence being a lot more astute and a lot more uh, kind of safe even and. Yeah, it's just it's just good to see you, Hilly. Really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, it was great to see K-Mac back at it again. And, you know, it's it's weird, you know, three starts and three wins. And there's another player who had three starts and we've had three wins from, but we'll come to him in a minute. Um, look, after six minutes, Kenny played the ball out to Joe Bryan on the left-hand side, and he centred it to Knockhart, who scored from very close range. I mean, it looked like an easy goal, but it was a great move, wasn't it? Talk to me, talk to me about Knockhart, Marty. I mean, he's starting to look like the player that was promised to us when we bought him in August, isn't he?
2: Yeah, it's it's weird because at one point we were kind of thinking, oh, he's not great. And then he got dropped and, you know, put onto the bench. And then he seems to really sort of, I don't know, come into his own, almost like he's sitting on the sidelines for a while on the bench. He's kind of observed what he needed to do. Obviously, yeah, he has about 65 shots and about one of them will go in. But you can't deny his passion. You know he's he's looking like a player that, as as you said, like you know the players. Uh, so the people that were Brighton fans were saying you're getting a really good player in Knockhart. He's he's such a threat, and and he's one of those people as well. When he's in your team, he's great. If you're against him, he's an absolute nightmare, and and that's what you like to see. It's just adding that sort of extra threat. You know, and with Cav on the other side, who's ever since he signed that contract, seems to be a completely different player at the moment.
1: Yeah, I noticed Cavallaro was, you know, brilliant this game. I thought, you know, he he was just so strong on the ball and his passing was immense. But going quickly back to knockout, as you alluded to there, Stato, I'll go to you with this. You know, the lead up to the goal was Joe Bryan bombing on forward with a really lovely assist and We've just recently signed Terence Congolo, a very promising left centre-back, potentially can be left-back as well. And there were rumours that, you know, Joe Bryan might be off to Watford and Congolo's going to take his place. But it does show you from this goal how much we still really do need Joe Bryan when on his day he is fantastic. What do you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it was a great assist from Joe Bryan. And, you know, one of his big strengths is getting crosses in and getting, you know, kind of, his final third of attacking is always very good with Joe Bryan. It's always his defensive abilities which are always a bit questionable, um, and I think he has kind of been a bit unfairly targeted in recent weeks because you know all of the all of the opposition's attacks tend to come down the right hand side, which is where he's defending. Um, so it's always you know blame Brian, but I think he had a very solid game. It's good to see him come back into the team. Um, And obviously, you've got the assist with it. And like with Nukka, I think what I like with this team this season in general is that, you know, a player can be on the bench for a while and they can come back and they seem to come back stronger. You know, if if we compare it to the promotion team from two seasons ago, we kind of knew more or less what our starting 11 would be week in, week out. You know, Um, there'd be very little change, maybe, you know, Kamara for Aite or something along those lines. Whereas with this team, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were adamant that our best front three was Mitrovic, Camaro and Cavalero. We were adamant that Harrison Reed was the best midfielder to have. And, you know, now, last week, it was like, I do, better than Brian. But, you know, now this week, it's a case of, oh, Joe Brian had a solid game at left-back. Um, Kevin McDonald, we you know, he needs to be in the team all the time because he's just been phenomenal. So I really like that everyone's kind of putting in a shift and putting in solid performances as needed, kind of spread over the season. So not one person has to take kind of the responsibility of playing well week in, week out.
1: Really nice. Uh, Really nice, mate. Uh, Marty, do you want to add anything to that or should we go on to the next point, mate? No, uh, Matt's totally
2: right. I've noticed as well, uh, as Matt said, every player that we thought was done as a Fulham player, like Cabano, uh, McDonald you know Steph Joe have all stepped up this season like every time when you think oh they're done or you know Kamara as well like you know we all thought he was done and then he went on that surge of like scoring goals and playing really well then of course he got that unfortunate sort of nip uh, on his ankle Uh, it's I I think it's quite good to see it just kind of helps that we're having a big squad that we actually have or actually a compact squad that every one of these players are chipping in it's good to see at the moment.
1: Well, you talk about chipping in. Let's talk about Onoma. I mean, he had a great chance to score after 14 minutes. Uh, Cavalera blasted it over with a, a great passing move. But Onoma again, headed it wide, unmarked at the back post from a corner. And, and then Bobby Reid also found Ed with a clear chance to score. Were you worried, Marty? I'll go straight back to you of this. Were you worried it was going to be one of those nights where, you know, we were made to pay for our missed opportunities? Or were you excited to see so many good opportunities created? I mean why don't you think we could bury them it's probably an easier question to ask
2: that that's the thing isn't it it's is that we had so much more creativity in the team without Mitrovic in the team but we didn't have that sort of deadly presence up front who could bury the chances i know obviously mitrovic is going for the you know certain games where he, he has a few opportunities and doesn't score but yeah it, it had that kind of feel where you were just thinking oh you know when onoma kind of got it he headed it but he was so on the back post he just headed it straight and nowhere towards the direction of the goal any other day that would have been you know in it was taken off the woodwork um but the more creative i mean i think there was something about that game that you thought if we don't put a you know it could have been six 0 at halftime as i said to you before And you did start to think to yourself oh it's just going to be one of these ones where they're going to nick a goal in the last minute and oh, you know yeah. it did nearly come you know to happen and we did have a goal trooped off as well unfortunately, after a lovely sort of uh, celebration in it. But as I say, yeah, it was a worry, but I um, enjoyed the creativity. So I was always hoping that one of them was going to go in. But two-goal yeah. cushion always helps.
1: I thought Onoma had a really, really good game once again. I mean, I think a lot of people, certainly on the Twitter sphere now, are just sort of eating their words after saying what a donkey he seemed to begin with. I mean, he also is just still doing some Parker pirouette still on the pitch, which was good to see when I was at the game. Um, but... Tom Kearney had a good chance as well after yet another great move, but his shot was saved uh, by the keeper. Kenny had a great first half, but faded in the second half, similar to Onoma but not as much. How do you think he did, uh, Stato? I'll go up to you with this.
0: Uh, yeah, I think he had a good game. Um, I think this season in general, he's kind of been playing less of an advanced role that we've seen before. And he's playing more of a uh, traditional midfielder role which, you know, it's working, it's fine. He's putting in good shifts, maybe not as creative as, you know, at an expense of that. But yeah, I think he had another solid game. Um, obviously, in the second half, he did kind of fade away. Maybe that was down to fitness. Um, I know that he, he hasn't been in, this, in the squad for the last couple of games, so, you know, it could be a bit of match fitness there. But, you know, as a benefit on the plus side, we had quite a few midfield options on the bench that we could replace him with. He was replaced by Arthur, I think. So, you know, it wasn't the biggest issue, but I think the if the Mitro injury is longer than we thought, Kearney will be quite an important player to have in that midfield because if we're playing this kind of creative, free-flowing football without Mitrovic, you know, he's kind of a big uh, catalyst for that and it's someone... Important that we'll need in the middle
1: in the midfield for. I've got some uh, tweets here actually about Kenny's performance, and I just want to see what your thoughts are on the Marty sir. Like, so uh, here's from, one from Daniel. It says, "When we played well yesterday, a lot of it came through Kenny. Look at his ball in the build-up to the goal, for example. But in the patches we didn't play well, he was anonymous." Then another guy underneath writes, "He's relying too much on one foot and seems to be lacking inspiration when without the ball." Uh, just like to hear your thoughts about that if that's something that's rung true to you over the past few games for Kearney mate
2: it's it's strange because he started off really well at the beginning of the season and then he faded so we're not yeah, sure he... and yeah exactly well, he's, he's what well, he's well known for isn't he gets guess he's given you yeah. that opportunity I, I I don't I think it's a bit difficult to judge him on that performance because I mean he got substituted sort of 20 minutes into the second half, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, and as he's coming off like from an injury and coming back from an injury, and he was off for quite a while, you kind of kind of give him benefit of the doubt. But it as the saying used to be, if Kearney plays well, Fulham play well, and we have managed to cope without Kearney. So it's a bit difficult. It's he's not the same player he was at the beginning of the season, but then You know, we saw him have an opportunity where he saw it and then you thought, oh, if he's going to take a shot, you know, maybe that goal would kind of give him that confidence. Then I, but as I say, I, I'm not one who's out there to sort of feel like throwing Kearney at the bus at the moment, I'm
1: afraid. Well, let's talk about some people that we do like to throw under the bus. Uh, Patrick Roberts uh, looked like Borough's most effective playmaker in this game. And I'll just really quickly to each of you, because, you know, we don't want to talk about this too much. But I mean, I find it really weird because you know I remember seeing Patrick Roberts, you know, when he was playing for us, and he looked so young, and he's quite a small chap. But now he's got a bit of stubble; it's pretty bizarre. But you know, do you think he deserved the booze that he got when he took that corner from the hammy end? I'll go to you, Stata, really quickly. What are your thoughts on Patrick Roberts?
0: Um, it's it's a well, it's a bit of a difficult one because you know when he left, it was a bit annoying because he was kind of coming through. He's he's got one of our own from the academy. And he could he could have gone on to bigger and better things. You know, however, I think we got, was it 15 million for him in um, back then? I think we got 15 million for him from City.
1: Yeah, maybe with some um, add-ons as well, actually, I think, maybe.
0: Yeah, so you look back on that and it was probably quite a good deal. I mean, in hindsight, we were thinking, oh, we have lost a great talent. He's going to go on to do big and better things and it hasn't worked out for him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can understand why some people booed him, but, you know, he wasn't really a full like legend or anything that left from bad terms. So
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. And like, uh, Marty, are you in Bordeaux situation where you hate him as much as like, what are your thoughts on him?
2: Bordeaux was a massive fan of him. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, he was never the player that we actually were hoping to see. I mean, he was, he's, he's kind of like, you know, in some ways a Harvey Elliott, you know, where we never saw his full potential. He's, a small player in midfield. I feel like Harvey Elliott will probably go on and maybe do a little bit more, but obviously he left on bad terms, uh, but we got a profit, you know, and at the end of the day, we got one of our own who stepped up, who was in that team of Moussa Dembele and Pat Roberts, and his name was Ryan Session. So I kind of, you know, sweetened the blow. He's not, you know, he's gone on, he's won trophies with Celtic. He's just, you know, moved around on loan in different places I think it was in somewhere like Belgium or Holland last season. It's it's a shame because you always want you know certain players that are from your academy. You know if they do go on to you know, to see what they go and do, but. At the end of the day, he's not really been the player, but I think he got booed due to frustration. I think he was their best player all the time. You keep thinking, "Christ, he's not going to score, is he?" You know, a typical former Fulham player scoring against us, but it didn't happen. If you, it's it's like Marmite—you love her or hate him. I didn't really have an opinion with him. Really, I just thought he was a very good player for him.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I don't think there's. A, I I just didn't see the necessity to boo him at all. I think he made he made a. Probably a poor decision to leave, and because I feel like actually maybe his level is where he is at the moment. But he might improve. But for me, there's no ill blood there at all. Now let's go I ha- from. I have just sorry. Um,
0: I just want to, just looked him up, and he's actually still only 22 years old. I feel like he's been around exactly. for longer. So you know, he may still come good. Who knows?
1: Who knows? Uh, but let's go. Let's go from booze to cheers. Like so, this is clean sheet Trinity number three, the final one the other guy who's had three starts and three wins. It's Virgil van Mike. Michael Hector looked excellent this game. And it's good to see, to finally have someone that's a tall, composed presence in our defence now, isn't it, Mr Stato?
0: Absolutely. Um, I I said on the last pod that, you know, it looked like Hector was kind of this alpha Alpha, centre-back that we've been crying out for. And again, in this game, it looked more... A more like this was the case. Um, again, he commanded the defence. I think he won literally every header in the air that, that, that came towards him. put um, in some fantastic tackles. I remember there's a really good last ditch tackle he did um, as a bubble player was in on in the box. He just was very composed and got the ball intercepted perfectly. And it's just refreshing to see because we've had a bad defence or a leaky defence for so long now. And you know, in Rodak. Hector and McDonald, if you know they stay in the team and they can keep this defence compact, it's just going to be really refreshing to see us get more clean sheets to be honest.
2: It's the Hector effect. I mean, you you know, uh, me and you, J-Mac, were absolutely adamant during that summer transfer window about us getting Michael Hector yeah. over the line. And yeah. due to <coughs> Levy holding back on the Sessio money, it didn't mm. happen. All I know is that Hector had passed his medical, he was ready to sign and unfortunately we couldn't. But uh, eventually we announced, I think, a few weeks later that we, he would be joining in January. And it's literally like a breath of fresh air. It's like the time that we signed Mitrovic and Tar- yeah, Target into the team. It's yeah. like having a Hangeland back in the team. It's so good to have a defender who knows what he's doing and doesn't mess about with it. It is so good to see at the moment. It really, really is. And I'm really glad because I was thinking, oh, God, please don't end up being rubbish. But yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I'm loving every minute of it.
1: Me too. And I think him next to Tim Ream actually works. I I thought it would be Mawson. I mean, maybe it might be Mawson in the future, but the Tim Ream and, I mean, Borough aren't mugs, as Danny Boy would say. I mean, this was, you know, they're a good team. They've had some really good results recently against big teams in this league. So, you know, we have to take it that, you know, this was good defence and there was a good partnership. And, you know, it does make you think if there were, if we signed him eight minutes earlier before the deadline, you know, we may be in a higher position than we are now. But, we don't do it the easy way. That's not the Fulham way. Now let's talk about, <laughs> well, I mean, you, you mentioned actually, Marty, you mentioned Nadoi's amazing celebration. Uh, the, the flip he always does these flips but again it was I love him so much but this was for absolutely nothing it was from one of those trademark free kicks uh, for Cavalero trickery and um, it was it was so funny to actually see it done right for a change I I was I, I threw my hat up in the air and I lost it for a good 10 minutes after that goal what were you thinking Stato, when you saw that that sort of set piece technique finally pay off
0: oh it, it's good isn't it again like like having a good defense at last I feel like it's been ages since we've seen a score from a set piece, and then one did happen, and it was all great news. And then unfortunately, the flag went up, and I think it was just about offside. It's, I'm amazed that the line I managed to catch that um, in today's. It was, like, world. it was. It
1: was like it was like VAR, wasn't it? It was just almost like it was. It was uncanny. Good, good lines yeah, well, it was, it was weird like, <laughs> There
0: was a good like five ten second delay before the linesman put his flag up, and it looked like he was talking to someone, but. I have no idea who or if there was something going on behind the scenes, but that's just the conspiracy theorist to me. But um, yeah, unfortunately, the fact they go up here was probably like a hand's worth the side. But, you know, if we can see more of that in the future, you know, that'd be good to see. Um, if we can kind of get these more set pieces done. Now we have like a big uh, figure like Hector who can win headers, like not just in defense, but, you know, if he comes up for a set piece as well, then. That's a big bonus, and obviously Adoy, he's got springs in his feet or something. He just wins headers, so yeah, if we can get that nailed down, we could see a good kind of uh, good outlet for some goals. Hopefully,
1: Marty, do you want to add anything to the Adoy thing?
2: Just a little bit. It just—it was the most delayed offside ever. It was almost like the linesman was so going, "Wow, that's a really good celebration!" Oh shit, it's offside, and then just suddenly (laughs) put his hand up. You know, that's what it felt like. So. But that's my only thing. I just, well, after doing the celebration, you'd be like, you know, I'll, I'll give him 10 for that and I'll, we'll just pretend that it wasn't an offside. I, I think it was the slimmest of margins as well for offside. And to score a goal from a set piece, it's like taking away us scoring a goal from a corner. How dare they? I
1: know. I've got, I got to say, there's another... I'll stop, you know. I'm like fucking talking clock today. I'm just giving out tweets. But there was one of my favourite tweets I've seen in ages from Harry at, uh, say, uh, Santandavo. Dennis Adoy is Fulham. Never come across a player who was more perfectly who more perfectly embodies a football club. A lovable, flawed lunatic. It's just probably one of my favorite tweets this year. Well, I mean, it's not in January, but you know what I mean. I think Dennis Adoy is uh is such a such a cult hero in my books. Now let's go talk about the substitutions. Uh, this was actually really, really clever from Scott Parker, in my opinion. He was very he read the game very well. He replaced the two midfielders that were quite leggy in this game. So he took off uh Kearney then he took off Onima and he replaced them with I believe it was Arta and Johansson yes it was Johansson and you know it was really interesting because you know it really helped because we kept losing the ball in the middle of the park around 15 minutes into the second half and we we were not good I mean it really was a game of two halves the second half was not nice to look at at all we were really inviting sucking up pressure but as soon as that change was made we looked a lot better and it just shows you how strong our bench is now when we're blessed with well when injuries aren't as bad as they used to be what do you think about that marty
2: it's mad isn't it because i swear that not long ago we were talking about scott parker's substitutions it's almost like he really is learning game for game that mm. was genius by Scott Parker. I couldn't believe I'm actually saying these words because I was definitely one of those people thinking after having gone those few losses, I was just like, we're being outclassed. We're being outmanaged. Scott Parker's got a clue. Some of these substitutions, terrible. And yet he did that. And as you say, it was almost like filling in the holes that were clearly to sit in there. And you were thinking, fair play to you, Scott Parker. Never gets to applaud. it's when he does something good. But yeah, well uh, spotted, Mac.
0: Yeah, um, I think you know, it's a smart move. Obviously, Kearney, Onimo do a lot of running. It's good that we have this uh, strength and depth in midfield to be able to bring on Steph and, you know, We've also got Harrison Reed coming back from injury at some point. What I will say, um, although it looked like a strong bench, I was a bit concerned with the attacking options. And you know, this could be the case going forward. Um, as it stands, we have Cavalero, Nockart, and Bobby Reed as our front three. But you look at the bench, if one of them were to get injured or if they were to get tired, there was there wasn't many options there, to, you know, to go on. I mean there's that Jay Stansfield, this new young striker, um, Dela Torres there, but he's just this bench warmer enigma that we have now. Um so you know, that could be an issue going forward and you know, with Mitrovic out injured, with Kamara out injured, Cabano I think's injured as well. We do seem to be a bit light in those attacking options, and you know if we expect Cavalero, Núñez, and Bobby Reed to play all these games on their own, they could they could suffer burnout, and you know that could be quite
1: a bit of an issue, to be honest. Well, I was going to talk about this um, in the Charlton preview, but let's just talk about it now, actually. Marty, would you say that the hunt uh, for a new striker is over now because Mitro is out for only two to three weeks? Or would you say that we probably might be in for a striker yet still? But then again, Kamara, we still, you know, as Fulham like to do this season is not tell anything about our fucking injuries. So we don't really know what sort of what we're dealing with here. What, what are your thoughts about, you know, a potential striker coming in or if we need it or not?
2: First of all, we're in. We're very, very thin in the squad, so it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. Secondly, Tony Khan kind of abruptly said up the Fulham after all the results are in at five o'clock. If he knows anything that we've actually got very short in this team is attacking options. What's saying that we can't go out for just some kind of striker who is just on the fringes of the Premier League you know, teams, who just can't get in there and need some games or a championship player... I mean, I'm sure Tony's going to have his fingers in there to look for a striker. I'm pretty much convinced that we are going to bring a striker in. You know, just in case, if you, Mitrovic has got this injury, this is an injury that you can definitely reoccur every now and then. So we definitely yeah. need to have that option of having an extra striker. Yes, we have Karmara, Yes, we have Cavano, blah, 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 blah. But it's just good to have the options.
1: It's also an injury that can, you know, get worse and be delayed in coming back. I mean, it has happened for a lot of players in the past. I think Danny Ings is quite similar. He had trouble with his ankle. I mean, we, there there have been so many rumours going through that we're looking at, you know, potentially an attacking option from Huddersfield. Um, Zembo, I can't remember his name, but I mean, apparently that looks like a complete dud, that rumour. Um, I saw Daniel Sturridge was a rumour started by some transfer tweet bot today, which is a complete lie as well, but that was quite fun to listen to while it, while it was going. But yeah, I, I agree. I think like the attacking options are interestingly thin and we need to sort of deal with that if the Kamara injury is bad. But I think even if Kamara is back fit for Charlton the day after tomorrow, then we should still be getting a centre-forwardness cover just to, you know, keep our asses safe. Now, let's... I, I
0: th- about... Sorry, um, go on. I, th- I think one other thing I just want to point out is because we've signed Kongolo compared left-back, another option we could have is to move Joe Bryan further forward into left wing just so we have another attacking option as a winger, so we don't just have to rely on Cavaleiro on Lockhart. So, you know, that could also be a, an option, a kind of an unconventional option there as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something, I mean, it was tried out against Aston Villa, so that might be something that props up. That's well spotted, mate. I mean, mm-hmm. this quickly, man of the match, I think I know who it is. I think you know who it is. For me, well, let's go to you first, actually, Marty. Who's your man of the match?
2: I, I, this for me, it's between two. One of them was announced on the Fulham website, which was uh Michael Hector.
1: Big heck, yep. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, uh, for me, it was Ivan. I thought Ivan was brilliant uh in the game, Carrero. Nice. uh, and that's and then that was my other shout out, really. So I, I feel like they both deserve their kind of shout out. Oh, and uh, Adoy for the uh celebration.
1: Yeah, athletic Dennis Adoy, Suc de Soleil. Uh, <laughs> Stato, who's your man of the match?
0: Um, yeah, I think Michael Hector. There's kind of he had a fantastic game. He's kept us another clean sheet, and I think yeah, the club website got that right. Although an honourable mention to Kevin McDonald.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. I completely agree. And last but not least, Parker rating was not your numbers for me, Mister Marty.
2: Uh, I will say a
1: eight out of ten. Yeah, nice. And for you, Mister Stato
0: um I'll give him a nice solid 9. Um I think he got a lot right and uh he's he's starting to make me kind of almost love this Fulham team. Um and what I mean oh. by that is you know two two years ago you know we we loved that team that went up you know we loved every player in that position and this season it's been a bit more difficult because there's been a, a lot of kind of underwhelming performances and you know I've never there's been times when Parker's been unconvincing but you Know these last few weeks, we're getting some good results, we're playing well, and we've got a team that's putting in some likeable performances. And you know, fair play to Parker for doing that. And you know, I just hope he can keep this up
1: 100%. And I think if those goals had gone in in the first half. As Marty alluded to, it could have been about 6-0. We would have been talking about this as probably one of the greatest performances of the season. I mean, you know, probably better than Millwall. However, it just, you know, we didn't take them. We haven't got Mitro and maybe on another day, Bobby Reid would slot them in. So, But for me, I'll go 8.5 because I'm always doing when I'm between the co-hosts. But I'll say 8.5 and I completely agree. Scott Parker is doing something interesting at the moment. And I think he's really, it's a bit of a, a positive perfect storm going on the injuries are cleaning up there's just a sense that Scott Parker is starting to realize what his best selections are or tactics are and it's nice to see that without Mitro, we now have this sort of uh, our front three can be more of an elastic band and just sort of have a lot more of a dynamic play and god my god the speed the speed of our attacking was just on a different level to it to how it's been the entire season so kudos to Parker well done 8.5 well done lads. All right. After this, we'll have a little preview for the Wednesday night game under the lights at Charlton at the Valley. Fulham. And welcome back. So it's Charlton on Wednesday night. I'm actually going to this one. So let's talk about the stats that we've got in front of us, provided by our lovely Stato Arter right here. So, what's standing out to you from all this information? I mean, there's, I mean, there's quite a huge injury list, wouldn't you say, Marty, for this this team?
2: Yeah it's it's horrific. I mean I when I uh you uh stato sent the uh the uh, stat thing on here with all the information about Charlton and the first thing that literally my eyes just came across and it saw the injury list and I thought Jesus Christ what happened to this team? <laughs> They've been decimated <laughs> with injuries because they were way up there uh, at the beginning of the season and I definitely think injuries have definitely taken its toll on this team unfortunately.
1: There was almost like a, a a thought that they were doing a sort of a Sheffield United at the start of the season, wasn't there? They were just, you know, they got they came they got promoted last season, and they were going to just absolutely fly and stay around the top six or vary, wasn't it? It was just felt it felt like that to me, anyway.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And they gave us a hell of a game as well when they played at the cottage. To be honest with you,
1: yeah, that was a draw, wasn't it? It was two two. Correct. Yeah, 2 2. Goals from Cavalera and Mitrovic. And at the time, Charlton were 10th after an impressive start to the season. Um, Stato, these are your stats, man. You're the stat, man. Tell me something that you feel like we should be watching out for in this game.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I just want to talk about Charlton in general. Um, You know, when they got promoted last year, there wasn't actually the expectation for them to get promoted. They've kind of been under really bad ownership for the last few years. And, you know, there was a big negative atmosphere around Charleston um you know th- their attendance was dwindling cause people would refuse to go to matches and uh it was kind of a bit of a shock that they got promoted and they did and you know at the start of the season they already had a kind of a wafer thin barely championship level squad but they got to a fantastic start um Lee Bowie is kind of a really highly rated young manager um, regardless if you like him or not but it's it's the way it's come for them. And yeah, they got up to a really good start. Um, they had five wins from 10 games. They'd only lost twice before playing us. Um, and then, you know, I think along with the injuries, the kind of promotion buzz kind of died down for them quite quickly um, because since playing us, um, they've only had two wins from 16 games. Actually, that's two wins from 17 games now. Um, as they lost to Preston on the weekend. Of those 17 games, there's been 10 losses and only a total of 11 points have been amassed, which you know, it's a really poor, pretty much relegation form. You know, Had, had they not got off to this great start, they'd, they'd be probably in the bottom three right now. Um, mm. So, yeah, as mentioned, the decline largely has been down to this um, massive injury list. And there's also been some funny loan terminations. So one of their best players of the season was Conor Gallagher. Um, Young kid coming in from Chelsea was uh, kind of playing in in an attacking midfield role, and he's it was it was fantastic. Um, But for some weird reason, this literally happened last week. um, Chelsea decided to terminate the loan, and you know the Chelsea fans are fuming. Oh, that's right. There were reports of Conor Gallagher. He was he was in tears. He didn't want to go back. He was he was enjoying his football. And then the very next day, they loaned him out to Swansea. Um, which I don't, weird. I don't, I don't quite. I don't know why they do that. It's just maybe because they want to loan him out to a more successful championship club. Um, it's, it, you know, it's a weird one. So they've lost him, mm. and then they also lost uh, Bevan Kayal. Um He got a long-term injury, so went back to his parent club of Brighton. So yeah, they're, they're in a bit of a bad place, but they are now under new ownership. Um, some, I believe, it's some kind of Abu Dhabi Middle Eastern consortium. So they mm. could have lots of money. So it's probably the best time to be playing them now, when they've kind of got this injury-depleted squad, and not kind of after January when they're expecting to get lots of new recruitments in. Um, so yeah, it's probably probably better to play them whilst they're down, rather than when they're on the way back up.
1: Can someone tell me what their you know? what our record is like at the Valley. I, I, for instance, I'm not too sure when we won our last game there. I mean, that, what, what our history is like playing there. Do, do either of, can either of you tell me one of that? Uh, tell me that?
2: I, I vaguely remember that we were once, uh, I think it was almost identical to the game at the cottage where we took the lead and it ended up like a draw. And I think that was sort of in our Premier League time. I think I remember mm. being at, a, I think I went to that game. It's just, they're just one of these teams that no matter what, they're well up for it when we play them. Yeah. Well, there's, there's yeah. kind
0: of almost um, a, a People, Charlton fans perceive us as a rival, I guess, because um, 15, 20 years ago, we were both in the Premier League. We were both kind of mid-level London-based clubs. um mm. we shipped down the Thames. So, yeah, there, there is kind of a small little rivalry there from back in the day. Um, I can tell you that the last time we won at the Valley was... Go was on. There, here. Du, 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 du. Well,
1: come on! <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a uh, it was a two one win in the Premier League back in two thousand and
1: four. Jesus Christ! Oh wow! And, okay. okay. Can,
0: can, we get, can we get a guess of who scored the goals? Oh no, sorry, that was a Charlton win. That was a Cholton win. Um, ah, uh, our actual last win at the Valley was. In, du, du, du. Oh my god, I'm I'm scrolling a lot here.
1: You're on you're on thin ice here, mate. These are terrible oh, stats. This is not I this, is, right not right good oh, this is not good statting. This is not good statting. Two
0: thousand and three. It was a one oh. 0 win. and the Goal came from
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, it's an it's an easy one to guess. Just just guess who who our striker would have been back in two thousand and three in the Premier League.
1: What guess?
2: I've called a blank.
1: <laughs> 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 it,
0: was, it was, of course, a Mr. Louis Sahar. Oh, wow. I should have wow.
2: got you. Oh, my God. i felt my head in shame. I'm not getting the Messiah. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, like, let's talk about some players we should be watching out for in this game. Um, Jonathan Williams. I mean, is, is Am I right in saying he's their main uh, creative outlet, Stato?
0: yeah at the moment he more or less is um because you know they have injuries to other attacking players it's kind of all down on him, and he's a very injury prone player um I don't know if any of you watched the Sunderland till I die documentary um, he came off, I did he came actually off, it's brilliant yeah he he came across it's a really documentary um and he was he's just always been injured you know he he was at palace and people loved him at palace, but it was always injury hit, so he went down to Sunderland. And then he got released by Palace. So Charlton picked him up, and he's been he's been phenomenal for Chelsea. But unfortunately, he always picks up a little niggle and a little injury because he's he's one of those kind of small, tiny, creative players. And you know, I think if we put K Mac on him, that will probably you know quiet. It will keep him quiet, I think.
1: Yeah, and I've you know, I've seen that, you know, the top scorers Macaulay Bond and Lyle Taylor. I mean, those are players actually that we were linked to as a for a striking position recently, not too long ago. Weird. Uh Marty, I'll go to you really quickly. I've noticed here from the stats that, you know, they've won 36% of their home games. They score an average of 1.43 goals at home. They concede an average of 1.29. Now, here's the thing: 47.6% average possession. Now, I think I saw a stat recently saying that actually we are better. We tend to win more as a, as a team when our possession is lower. So I guess now is a good time to say, what do you think our sort of game plan should be going into this match on Wednesday?
2: Well, playing less of the slab football, which was possession football, I'm guessing at this precise moment, if that's true. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, that's a bizarre stat. I, I, I think it's just because we drew very sort of like quickness to go up front to get the ball as up, up front as quick as possible from passing it to the back, to the front. I would yeah. do whatever tactic possible, basically. I just feel like if we can keep creating the chances that we did in the game, like we did against Middlesbrough, just putting the chances away. I'm just hoping that Bobby Reed can get on the end of one of them and get his goal tallies up again.
1: All right, done. Pause there, pause there, pause there. Uh, before we move on, um, Stato, is there any other points about the stats you'd like to mention? Or should we go straight on to sort of like what would your starting lineup be, etc.? Is there any sort of like stats you're proud that like you want to mention, like goalkeeping or or or, or you, Marty, or you know, Leco, for instance? Or
0: there is there is one more fantastic stat which I have just seen. I've just discovered that's not in the stat sheet. Go on, and it goes to our last win against against Charlton at the Valley, which obviously was back in the uh, the 11th of May
1: 2003.
0: Yeah, we won, and in midfield for Charlton that day was Scott Parker.
1: Wow! So the oh. last
0: we won at the Valley, our manager was playing in midfield for them.
1: Oh, that's great! That is a great stat. Nice one, mate. Well found. Yeah. Well found. Hopefully, um, he's hopefully he's not. Yeah, hopefully he's not <laughs> mentally still there. Um, so, how would you say let's, let's talk about Scott then? How would you like to see him line up this team status on Wednesday night?
0: I, I I don't think I'd like to see much change from the weekend, to be honest. um Defense, more or less the same. Wouldn't, wouldn't mind seeing a Doi go to left back and Christie come back in, or likewise, if we keep Brian on Doi, I'm completely fine with that. Hmm. McDonald, I'd expect to see in midfield, although, you know, it'd be a bit of a test to see if he can do two games in the space of uh, four days. But, yeah. You know, hopefully he can. If not, you know, we've got Harry also, we've got Steph Joe, you know, we'll be completely fine. Um, Kearney, would, I'd like to see play as well. Um, and the front three, I think we're kind of stuck with because there's not, not that it's a bad thing, but we don't really have <laughs> yeah. any other options there at the moment. So,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, I
0: don't think too much change.
1: Nice one. And I mean, I think potentially you might see Terence Congolo in this game when the inevitable happens and we, we go at three at the back at some point trying to protect a lead. What are your thoughts on that, Marty? Mate? Any any differences that you'd like to see in the starting line-up from what we mentioned? Yeah, I
2: I think I agree with uh,
1: Stato. It's just, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. I think
2: we play very, very well against Middlesbrough. I do think the new signing probably will be on the bench. And it's weird because most Huddersfield fans were saying so much talent. It's just a shame it never worked for us. So I'm really intrigued to see how he's going to do when he comes into the team. Actually, Yeah,
1: quite. Well, that's great. I mean, I'm I'm happy to round that up then. I mean, so what as we do round it up. What, what's your score prediction, Mr Statter?
0: I think um, that we'll go into this game really wanting to win this. We'll play a strong team because uh, obviously the weekend after, we've got an FA Cup game against Sissy, where we may not risk as many key players. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be up for it. Chelton they're depleted. They're weak. I can only see a Fulham win here. I'm going to say, we're going to go big. I'm going to say, gonna go gonna say 3-0 Fulham.
1: Nice. I mean, you know, as soon as you said, I think we're going to go in really wanting to win this game, I was going to joke and say, yeah, no shit. But I know what you mean, because the results around us at the moment it is impossible to ignore. I mean, you look at we are six points away. No, five, I think it's five points away from overtaking Leeds in second place. And I believe it's West Brom v. Stoke tonight. So if you're listening to this uh, tomorrow morning, you will have known what the result is. I'm not counting. I'm not I don't think any of us are thinking that West Brom are going to lose that game. But it is getting tighter, isn't it, Marty? What are your thoughts? Do you feel like Automatics is could be in our destiny again?
2: Well, at one point it looked like it was a disaster, didn't it? And it was mm. just like, ah, oh, you know, Parker, what's going on? We haven't got the right players. And all of a sudden, it you know, three wins on the spin from us, uh, looking better in the back creating more chances obviously dimitrovic was a bit of an incident that we could have done without and well you can always rely on leads to falling apart so that always helps that we're at so many points off from them so pressures
1: on yeah. them really <laughs> exactly exactly Stato any thoughts you want to say about automatic hopes or you think keeping your cards <sighs> close to your chest
0: um I think it's definitely in a much better we're in a much better position than we were a month ago i think a month ago i was kind of resigned to oh well it's, it's class our best now but you know that's the thing of the championship you know every, and it's just an unpredictable league and you know in a month's time we could be in first we could be in second we could be in eighth or something who knows um but i think you know the pieces are kind of slowly falling into place now in a good way for us and you know, we're now into the second half and if we can keep this up and, you know, we've got lots of uh, kind of advantages coming our way now. You know, we're going to have Mitrovic coming back from injury, which would be a humongous boost. We're going to have all these other players going back. We may get one or two more signings coming in. You know, and that could kind of be the, uh, the boost that we'll, we'll need to kind of get us over the line and to kind of, you know, kind of get through the season, hopefully in an automatic
1: spot. All right, and Marty, never asked you, mate, what is your score prediction for Wednesday night? Go.
2: Hello, J-Mac. I think uh, we (laughs) should possibly go for a 2-0 win. I I would like to go 3 or 4-0, but I feel like I'm turning into an arrogant Leeds fan. So uh, I'm just going to say 2-0, another clean sheet, and we get the job done at the Valley.
1: I'm going to say 2-1. 2-1, and I think we're going to get the three points for the first time since 2003. My God. (laughs) But you know what? I mean, you talk about how close it's getting. Nottingham Forest... uh, Slowly on the rise, potentially, just like Meghan Markle's acting career. But let's go and have a drink, lads. Very nice. Thank you very much to my co-hosts. Thank you very much to you guys listening. If you guys like what you hear, please tell your friends about us. We are on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We have a website where it's all of our interviews done by Danny Boy himself. And we'll be back. We'll be doing a Charlton reaction as soon as possible, preferably coming out on Thursday morning. See you there. Fulham focus update goes to show you what I know. Stoke have done it. It is 1-0 to Stoke, which puts West Brom at 53 points, leads on 52, and Fulham on 48. The title race is back on, in my opinion. Charlton now is huge. See you then. Fulham.